Well, it's the second week of Advent. I want you to uh, open your Bible to John chapter 8. Do you remember what Advent represents? Advent is about the coming of Christ. It's not just the birth of Christ, but the coming of Christ. The coming in His birth and His final coming, which is yet to be in the future. Advent reminds us that Christ has come and that He will come again. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. Actually, Jesus declared himself to be that. And when Jesus, the light of the world, was born into the world, his birth was announced by an angel in a flood of glorious light to shepherds abiding in darkness. We'll read that on Christmas Day. We'll read that account from Luke's gospel of the birth of Christ. And in the darkness of that night, those shepherds were there in the darkness. An angel appears and light floods everything around them, and the birth of the Savior is announced. Luke records this for us in his gospel account. And there the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid, the Bible says. We see that God broke the darkness with the glorious light of his Son. The angels came and in light announced the birth of the Savior, but it was that Savior, the light of the world, that God used to break the darkness of this world. Advent is the celebration of the coming of Christ. Christ, the true light, has come into the darkness of this world. And Christ has come that whoever believes in him should no longer abide in darkness. John chapter 8, verse 12. There's two scriptures I'm going to use for our text today. The first is John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And John chapter 12, verse 46. Again, Jesus speaking, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So we see from these two texts that Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus has come so that men do not have to abide in darkness any longer. Anyone who follows Jesus shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus came into the world so that whoever trusts in him should no longer live or abide in darkness. Jesus qualifies those who have the light of life as those who follow him. He who follows me, Jesus said, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus came as a light into the world so that whoever believes in him should not continue to abide in darkness, but rather abide in him, and as we abide in him, We abide in the light, in his light. To abide in Christ is to trust in him. And as you follow him, you walk in the light. So the light of Christ makes manifest our our faith. The light of Christ makes manifest our faith. 
all things are revealed or made manifest in his light. So you guys get this, right? If we were to cover up all the windows, well, there's no windows here, but there are windows in those doors out there. If we were to black everything out, turn the lights off, we would be in darkness. And where there is no light, you can't see anything. The reason you can see, the reason you can perceive color, the reason you have any ability to distinguish and to see and to enjoy the beauty of this world around us is because there is light. If there were no light, there would be no sight. There would be no way to discern anything. So light makes manifest. Christ is the light that has come into the world, and he is illuminated. So that illumination that Christ brings is not just our ability to, to see a Christmas tree or to see purple or yellow or green, but Christ reveals much more than that. The light that Christ brings reveals and makes manifest all things. Our faith and our sin are both made manifest in his light. To have faith in Christ, remember Christ came that whoever would believe in him would no longer abide in darkness. To have faith or to believe in Christ is to walk in his light. And it is his light that our faith, or it is through his light that our faith is clearly manifest. In fact, all things are exposed and made manifest. Paul writes this in Ephesians 5.13 when he writes, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. That word manifest means to reveal, to make clear, to make known, to be able to see, to come into view. The same light that exposes and makes manifest our sin is the same light that will reveal and make manifest our faith. Before we come to faith in Christ, or as we come to faith in Christ, it's not just faith, it's not just being able to see Christ, it's not just seeing our salvation, but we need to be able to see why we need a Savior. If we don't, if we don't know why we need a Savior, we don't really fully grasp our salvation. And we'll never begin to grasp the magnitude of our salvation until we begin to grasp the magnitude of our sinfulness. The light of Christ exposes our sinfulness and makes clear his salvation. Reminds me of the account in Isaiah chapter 6 where the prophet says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled his temple. And Isaiah says, I fell as one dead. Because he saw the Lord and he saw the glory of God. And what that was was like looking at himself in a mirror and seeing himself for who he truly was. We are able to see ourselves for who we are in our sinfulness as we are able to see who Christ is in his righteousness and in his holiness. And this is what the light that has come into this world does. It exposes who we are in our sinfulness so that we can see Christ as our Savior. Christ came into the world as the light of the world to deliver the world from darkness that whoever believes in him will no longer abide in darkness but walk in the light of life. 
the Christ, Christ the light has come that we would be saved and that we would see clearly not only our sin, but our salvation. And we're able to see our salvation as we are able to see our need for salvation because of our sinfulness. So the light has come and it exposes all things. It makes manifest all things. And in that exposure, we see Christ. And when we see Christ and trust in Christ, believe in Christ, Jesus said, we will abide in light, in the light of light. The light of Christ makes manifest our faith. The light of Christ leads us by faith. Light and life are tangible and real. You might you see light and you, you say, well, it's real because I can see it. It's lighting my, my world around me. But people much smarter than I who study these things have found that there are these things in space called black holes. And they're so powerful. And the gravitational pull of a black hole is so powerful that it actually pulls light. Well, what does that tell us? It tells us that light is not just an intangible, light is something real. There's a substance to light. And it can be affected by gravity. Faith is the same way. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We might not think of light as a substance, but when you realize that black holes can actually bend light and pull light into them, we realize that light has a substance. Well, guess what? The Bible says faith has a substance too. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So light and faith are tangible and real. They're substantial. And together they bring tangible and real and substantial transformation to our life. To have faith in Christ is to abide in his light. And if we are abiding in Christ, we are no longer living in darkness. In the Lord, we now are light. This is what the Bible teaches us. The Apostle Paul writes a reminder and he writes a command concerning this truth in Ephesians 5.8 when he writes, you once were darkness but now you are light in the Lord. That's the reminder. Here's the command. Walk as children of light. If you are light, walk as children of light. There's a reminder and there's a command there. He reminds us that we were once darkness, but now we are light. And he commands us as light to walk as light. The light of Christ leads us in the way we are to walk. We walk by faith in his light, empowered by his spirit. So how does Christ dwell in us? Christ, remember, he was born. We celebrate Christmas. We remember the birth of Jesus. If you've decorated for Christmas, you probably have a nativity, and, and it has the little baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Well, we know Jesus was born, but he's not a baby any longer. He he was born, he grew up, he was crucified, he died, he was buried, he ascended to glory. He sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
But yet the Bible says that Christ is in us. He dwells in us and we dwell in him. How does Christ dwell in us? Well, the answer to that question is he dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Let us make man in our image. We are made in the image of God. We are triune beings. We are spirit. We are soul. We are body. There's a Father. There's a Son. There's a Holy Spirit. And the Son is seated seated at the right hand of majesty, but yet he lives in us, and he lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that lives in us has been given to us to lead us and to guide us into all truth, into all righteousness. So when you go to John's gospel and just in the hours preceding the arrest of Jesus and his subsequent crucifixion, you see Jesus in those chapters in John, in chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus begins to talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. He calls him the comforter. He says, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to go away, and it's good that I'm going to go away, because if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm with you now. I'm present with you now, but then when the Holy Spirit comes, I will be in you. How does Christ live in us? He lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit in us illuminates, it brings light to his word. Jesus is the light of the world. The light of the world lives on the inside of us. And when you read the word of God, listen, if you turned all the lights off in this room, I wouldn't be able to read my Bible. But it's not just an inability to to read physical words on a physical page. Without the light of the Holy Spirit, without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we can read this Bible and it won't mean anything to us. But when the Holy Spirit illuminates this word of God to us, it changes us, it transforms us, it becomes alive to us, and we become alive to it. Christ has come, and in him the light has come. We are no longer darkness abiding in the dark. Through faith in Christ, we are now light in the Lord abiding in the light of life. And we're to walk as children of light. Now we, we walk by faith in his light. We no longer walk by the darkness of our sight. As the Bible says, walk by faith, not by sight. The just shall live by faith, the prophet wrote. And we're reminded that we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, what does that mean? What are we walking by? We're walking by the light of Christ. We're walking by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Christ is the light that illuminates our way. He is the word, the living word that that illuminates our way. When we walk and when we live according to just our natural sight, we're walking in darkness. We think we can see, but we really can't see. When Christ illuminates our path, when he gives us the true light, then we can truly see. And that light of Christ leads us in the way that we are to walk. We walk by faith in his light, empowered by his spirit. As we walk through this world, we will all find ourselves in dark 
places. Christ is the light. We abide in the light. But we walk through dark places. The 23rd Psalm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a place of darkness. Your rod and your staff comfort me. I fear no evil. In that darkness, when we can't see our way, when we can't see what's before us or what's behind us or what's beside us, it is God who comforts us. It is God who comes alongside of us and touches us speaks to us. And though we can't see with natural eyes all that we wish to see, all that we desire to see, and though we can't know all that we desire to know in our natural mind to try to make natural sense of things that we can't make sense of, it is God who comes alongside of us in those dark places and reminds us that we are not in darkness we're not of darkness we're merely passing through the darkness the valley of the shadow of death the valley of shadow is not a place we stay it's simply a place we walk through and the light never leaves us because christ never leaves us we find ourselves in these dark places but in christ we never walk without light We find ourselves in dark places, and it's not the darkness that should capture our attention, but it is the light of Christ that we should be drawn to and focused to. Darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ any more than darkness can overcome the lights, the natural light in this room. We would have to turn these lights off in order for darkness to reside here. But the moment we flip the light on, the darkness is dispelled. If that's true for natural light, how much more is that true for the light of Christ? And we are deceived by what we see because we walk through darkness and we think the light of Christ is not there. But the Word says, no, the light of Christ is always there. Because Christ, who is the light, never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And so even when we walk through darkness, dark places we don't fixate we don't focus on we don't give attention to the darkness we focus on we fixate on we give attention to the light if you've ever been camping you've sat around a campfire probably noticed something that when you circle the chairs up you face the chairs toward the fire you sit around the fire and you face the light We don't circle the chairs and sit around the fire and face the darkness, face the light. As followers of Christ, we turn our backs to the darkness and face the light. And by faith, we walk through the darkness, facing into the light that goes before us. Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the book of Psalms, is a psalm all about God's word. And Psalm 119 teaches us that God's word is a lamp unto our feet. Now, I have a flashlight that has like, uh, I forgot how many lumens, like 1,100 or 1,000 lumens. And when I 
shine that flashlight into the darkness, the beam of that light goes like hundreds of feet. And we like that, right? We like to go into the darkness and have as much light as possible. But I'm always drawn to this verse of the Psalms where God says, my word is a lamp unto your feet. Now, I don't know. You know, when David wrote that psalm back in the day, if they would have had flashlights with thousands of lumens worth of light, I don't know if he would have said, your word is a thousand lumen flashlight to my feet. Maybe he would have, but he didn't. He said, thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet. And if you understand the lamp that David used to light his way, the reality is the light that was given only went so far. Hebrews 1, I just quoted to you, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. We want the flashlight that lights everything and dispels all the darkness and gives us sight to see everything that's out there so we know everything facing us. But God doesn't paint a picture of himself that way in the, in the word of God. Now, he is the light that can dispel and will dispel all darkness one day. But he says, my word is a lamp unto your feet. That means that I'm going to walk in the light that God gives me, but, but I don't know everything that's in front of me because much of what's in front of me, most of what's in front of me is still in the darkness and I can't see it and I can't discern it and I can't know it. And God says, even with the best flashlight and the best light you can have on this earth, you still don't know everything and you still can't see everything because you're trying to see through natural sight. And natural sight is really dark. Faith gives us eyes to see those things we cannot see, but we know to be true. That's why faith is all about hope. We're going to talk about hope next week. We're talking about faith today. The light of Christ illuminates our way and we walk by faith. Faith, in the very essence of what it is, speaks also of that which cannot be seen. And as much as we want to see everything, God says, I will not let you see everything. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to me, says the Lord. But the things I've revealed belong to you and to your children, to the generation. What does that tell us? It tells us that there are some things that God is not going to reveal to us. Now, what do we want to do as sinful humans? We want to fixate on the things he doesn't reveal to us instead of looking to all the things he has revealed to us. Instead of walking in the light that he's given to us, we're consumed with what's in the darkness ahead of us that we can't see and we can't know. And God says, I'm not going to show you, at least not right now. Be content to walk in the light that you've been given. Walk by faith in that light. God's word is a lamp unto our feet, illuminated by the Spirit, directing our path in the way that we are to walk. 
The light of Christ leads us by faith through the light of his word. It is the spirit of God in you that illuminates this world, that gives you the ability to see it, to know it, to consume it, and have that word change you, transform you, renew your mind. We desperately need that. So the light of Christ makes manifest our faith. The light of Christ leads us in the way. The word of Christ will judge us in the light of Christ. Those who believe in the light that has come and received the word of God will be saved by it. The light of Christ exposes, remember it exposes all things, everything that makes manifest is light. So the light of Christ has come. It exposes the sinfulness of the world. Jesus in John chapter 3, it's recorded that the Son of God did not come into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because Jesus said the world was already condemned. He didn't have to come and condemn it because the world was already under the condemnation of sin. The light of Christ exposes our sin. We run to the light and we judge ourselves in our sin. If we do that, we fall broken upon the rock who is Christ. And when we fall upon the rock broken, we are saved. But those who reject the light that has come and reject the word of God will be judged by it. The light of Christ exposes sin and men run from the light, rejecting the judgment of God's word upon their sinfulness. And in that rejection of the light and the life, the rock falls upon men. And when the rock falls on us, we are not just broken, we are destroyed. The picture painted there actually is we are ground to powder and we are blown away. When the rock falls upon us, we will not be saved. Jesus said, better you fall upon the rock and be broken than have the rock fall upon you and be destroyed. So when we are exposed to the light, what are we going to do? Are we going to run from it or are we going to run to it? Those who love the darkness hate the light. They reject it. The word of God and so will be judged by that very word they reject. The word of God will judge all men. The difference is what men do with God's word. Sinful men who reject the word of God will have that same word judge them one day. The very same word that could save them will confirm God's wrath upon them for their love of darkness and their rejection of the light. John 12, 46 and 48, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. God has given us his word. He gave us the word of the prophets. The law and the prophets were given. When Jesus was born into this world, a babe in Bethlehem, the law and the prophets foretold of his birth. Remember the parable? Remember the story of the, 
uh, the beggar and Lazarus and, and the rich man, and the rich man refuses to give even the crumbs from his table to the beggar outside of his gate, and they both die, and they both go into eternity, and, and there is Lazarus, Jesus says, in the arms of Abraham being comforted by him, but the rich man is across the gulf. He's in the flames. He's in the fire. He's in hell. And he says, Jesus, or he says to Abraham, he says, let me go back and tell my brothers and warn them. He says, to, to, he says just, just put a drop of water on my tongue to give me some relief. That was not even possible for him. He says, just allow me temporarily to go back and warn my brothers. And what did Jesus say? If they did not believe the law and the prophets, they will not believe even if one returns from the dead. Do you know what Jesus preached from? Preached from the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus did not have a New Testament with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, and the letters to the Romans. First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. I'm singing the song in my mind. It's how I learned the books of the Bible from my, we sing Bible songs that my kids used to listen to. It's the only way I could learn. Now, Jesus didn't have our New Testament. He, he was the New Testament walking around. He had the Old Testament scriptures. And the Old Testament scriptures spoke of, forewarned us, foreshadowed the coming of Christ. And Jesus said, it would not matter, Lazarus, if you went back from the dead and warned your brothers. Because if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they will not believe you, even if you came back from the dead. That story alludes to the fact that Christ was raised from the dead. And the reality is still true today. People say to me, you know, if, if Jesus would just appear to me, I, I might believe in him, but I can't believe in an invisible God. Well, first of all, God is anything but invisible. His invisible attributes are clearly seen. You don't catch Paul's satire, his humor there. You've missed it. If Jesus appeared to you face to face, you're not going to believe him because he appears to you if you will not believe Moses and the prophets. If you will not believe his word, you're not going to believe your eyes. What you're saying is, my eyes, I have more faith in what my natural eyes can see than God's word, than God's eternal word. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But we don't want to believe God's eternal word. We want to believe. We want to put faith in what we can see with these natural eyes. And God says, you keep living like that and see how that works out for you. It's not going to work out very good. We're not called to trust our natural sight. We're called to walk by faith in Christ. What God has given to us in his word. We might ask the question, why would anyone want to walk in darkness if they could walk in the light. Jesus gives us the answer to that question. John three nineteen through 21. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. 
For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth, he who practices the truth, comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. In short, Jesus tells us that men walk in darkness because they hate the light. And all who love darkness will turn away from the light and so turn away from life. The light of Christ is the light that abides forever. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means that faith is the substance of what we cannot see but what we know to be true according to what? According to the Word of God. According to the promises of God. So I'm going to ask you again, church, are you going to believe what you can see with your eyes? Or are you going to believe what this Word declares? Now, I'm not saying don't believe anything you see with your eyes. But what I am saying is, when what you see with your eyes contradicts, goes against promises that God has given you in His Word, I'm saying, don't believe your eyes, believe his word. Don't read the news and watch the news and believe all the propaganda that the world is putting out there that contradicts what God has given us in his word. This is Advent. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And we all like to talk about the birth of Jesus, but do we remember the promise that came with the birth of that Savior? Do you remember the words of the prophet? I'm going to remind you again, written 700 years before that baby was born. He said, unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And of the increase, not decrease, but the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Your eyes, what you see with your natural eyes, may convince you that that's not true. But yet, there it is right there in God's word, spoken by the prophet, inspired by the Spirit, that this child will be born, and he was some 700 years after the words of those that prophet were penned. And it says, when he was born, the increase of his government and peace would have no end. Yet, even Christians today want to talk about how the light is diminishing. The light is, is becoming darkness and and the world is going to hell, and things are getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Remember, we walk through darkness, but the light is ever-present with us. We are no doubt living in dark times right now in this world, but it's just a dark time. We're going to walk through it, because the light is here, and the light has never gone away, and the light of Christ has never been and will never be diminished. And of the increase of his government and peace, it, it will not end. It has never ended. It is not ended yet. It's not slowing down. It's not decreasing. It is doing exactly what God promised in his word it would do. It's increasing. Say, I, I just can't see it, Pastor. Well, you're looking with the wrong eyes. 
You're looking with natural eyes, and your sight is darkness. Don't look with natural eyes. Look through the eyes of faith and believe and trust what God's Word says. We're just walking through a dark time. We're in the valley right now. It's dark. But the shepherd is with us. We don't have any reason to fear any evil because he is with us. He's going to take us right through the darkness and we're going to see the light and we're going to be blinded by the brightness of that light. That day is coming because God has promised it. And that's true whether we're talking about nations and world events. That's true in your own personal life. Whatever valley, whatever dark place you might be walking through right now, I promise you it is only temporary because the light has come and the light can't, the darkness can't overcome it. The light will overcome every iota of darkness there is till there will be no more darkness. Is that going to happen in my life or your life? Maybe not. It's going to happen. Just like 4,000 years. Remember we talked about this last week. 4,000 years. Man had to wait for the promise spoken to him in the garden. Adam and Eve are there. God's speaking to the serpent. And he says, I'm going to send one who's going to crush your head. Can you imagine when Adam and Eve suffered the death of their son Abel and the banishment of their son Cain? Can you imagine that Adam and Eve longed for that Savior who would come and crush the head of the serpent? Who was responsible for bringing about the death of a son and the banishment of another one? Who brought death into this world because of man's sinfulness, because of the deceitfulness of that serpent? Don't you believe that Adam and Eve long for that Savior to come? Don't you think they hope that when Seth was born, that he was going to be the child that would ultimately crush the head of the serpent and bring salvation and make right what they made wrong in the garden through their rebellious sin against God? But it wasn't Seth. It wasn't even the next generation or the next generation or the next generation. It was 4,000 years years later before that Savior came. And when God gave them the promise, he didn't tell them when he would come. He just said he will come. And just like we are tempted to not believe the promise of God because of what we can see with our natural eyes, that has been the temptation of man all along. But what has God consistently done? He has consistently commanded us and encouraged us to trust his word to walk by faith and not by sight faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god faith begins the size of a grain of a mustard seed but it doesn't remain that way it grows and your faith grows as you hear the Word of God. Your faith grows as you read the Word of God. Your faith grows as you pray the Word of God. Your faith grows as you meditate on the Word of God. 
Our faith is not based on what we can see with our natural sight. Our faith is based on what God has revealed by his supernatural light. Christ is the light of the world that abides with us forever. He is the light that has been revealed to us. He is the forever abiding light that is continually revealed to us by his spirit. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never grow dim. But as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is a light that becomes ever brighter for those who love his light and for those who love his appearing. This is good news. It's good news. Embrace Christ. Trust Christ. Follow Christ. And walk in his light. Do not abide in darkness. Abide in and walk in the light even as he is in the light. It's Advent. The light has come. Christ has come. The light remains and Christ will come again. Amen. I want you to prepare as we get ready to come to the Lord's table. table is a reminder for us of that light, that ever abiding, never diminishing, eternal light of life who is Christ. We talk about light. Light gives us the ability to see. Very often we go through life with full sight. And yet there are so many things we cannot see and we do not know. This table is a reminder to focus on what we have been given that we can see, what has been revealed to us, and to trust God with those things that have not been revealed to us, the things we cannot see and do not know. But Christ has been revealed. He has been made manifest. He has come. We see him and we know him. As you know him and as you trust him, I pray you come to this table. Let's all stand. So I want to begin your charge today with a question. The question is, are you trusting Christ? If you're not, the Bible is clear, you are darkness and you are commanded to trust Him and be saved and become light in Him by the power and the grace of God. If you are trusting Him, the Bible says you are light in the Lord and you are commanded to walk as children of light. We don't do this by might or by power, but we do it by the Spirit. By the grace of God. Paul writes in Galatians 5, If we walk according to the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And as we trust Christ, we are commanded to walk according to the Spirit and so no longer fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Or, as Paul wrote it, 
to walk as children of light because that's what children of light do. They walk according to the Spirit. But we find ourselves fallen creatures saved by grace. We find ourselves weaklings, failures, very often falling down. And what do we do when we fall down? Well, we get back up. That's what the Bible says to do. The Bible talks about man being fallen. David writes about it in the Psalms, and he asks the question to himself, Why downcast, O my soul, hope in God? I fell down. Well, why are you staying down? Get back up and hope in God. Peter asked Jesus, How many times, Lord, do I forgive my brother who sins against me? And Jesus said, He says, Seven times? And Jesus said, No. I say to you, 70 times 7. And Jesus didn't mean literally 490 times. Jesus meant, as often as your brother will come to you and ask for your forgiveness, you forgive your brother. You know why? Because that's what we have to do with Christ. Because we fail him, we fall continually. And in our humanness, in our fallenness, in our fallen way of thinking, because our minds have not been completely renewed by His Spirit, and we don't fully comprehend His perfect, unconditional love for us, we fall and we fall and we fall and we think, surely God cannot forgive me. Surely God will not forgive me. Surely God must be done with me now. But yet what Jesus teaches us is that his grace is sufficient. As often as you need it, His grace is sufficient. The fact that you fall and you get back up is an act of grace. And we are like children who fall as we learn to walk. But we also know that as children grow, they fall less. And pretty soon falling becomes the exception instead of the rule. As children, the rule is we're going to fall down a lot. But as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, we're going to fall less and our falling is going to become the exception instead of the rule of our life. And I want to remind you, wherever you are in your spiritual life, in your spiritual journey, whether you're an infant or whether you are an elder in the faith, the fountain of His blood and the well of His grace have an infinite supply to meet our need. Heaven has no shortage of resources to save us and to conform us to the image of the Son of Glory. And that is exactly what He is doing in us by His Holy Spirit. He is conforming us to the image of the Son of Glory. You might not be able to see the wealth of resource, the infinite supply of resource that is there for your transformation, but trust me, it is there because the Bible says it is. Because Christ has come and He is not the finite light. He is the infinite light. He's not a finite Savior. He is the infinite, eternal Savior of God. The Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The resources of heaven are infinite for our salvation and for our lives. So church, as you have been saved by them, as you are being 
changed by them. So walk in them and glorify Christ through your life. And spread the good news that the light has come. And the light has come so that whoever would believe in him would not have to abide in darkness any longer. Amen.